Good morning, everyone. My name is Hunter Upton. I am the associate pastor here at Getwell Church South Haven. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you're our guest, we're so delighted that you chose to worship with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, and however and wherever you're joining us, today is a great day to worship the Lord. And I'm excited today that we start a new series called Catalyst, where we're looking at how God has moved throughout the early church. But specifically what we're looking at is how some of the things that the early church dealt with, we ourselves here in the 21st century deal with as well. And so we're going to look at how the early church worked through those things with God's spirit and how that applies to our lives today. And so I'm excited that as we walk through the next uh, 16 weeks, that sounds like a lot, but I promise we could spend an eternity, I feel like, in the book of Acts and, and we would still barely scratch the surface. So, But I'm excited that as we spend the next 16 weeks here uh, going through the book of Acts, that we're going to discover just great things of what God wants for us um, uh, through his word and, and through the life that he wants to offer us with his spirit. So I'm excited about that. So I want to ask you to join us. Uh, we have a reading guide. You should have found this in your seats if you joined us here on campus. Uh, I encourage you, take this and read through this. We've, it, we've intentionally designed it as a really approachable way for you to get into Scripture, to slow down. Uh, there are fewer chapters to read each week than our last reading plan. Uh, but to slow down and, and to just spend time in God's Word and see what He has to say, to discover it for yourselves. And so uh, we're actually a week behind. Uh, if you didn't pick this up last week, but like I said, it would be really easy to catch up, and so we'd love for you to do that. Um, if you're joining us online uh, or you're watching this later, uh, you can pick up a digital copy online at getwellchurch.org catalyst. And so you'll also be able to find our previous messages uh, once we have some uh, for this series there as well. So I encourage you, pick this up, take it home. Even if you don't start it now, put it in your Bible. Maybe one day you'll pick it up, and I encourage you to do that. And so that's what, that's my little tidbit there. So hopefully that commercial break was good. All right. So <clears throat> y'all know what last year was like, right? 2020, it, it was tough. And now we're in 2021. And honestly, <laughs> it seems just as tough, right? Uh, whether 2020 happened or not, the honest truth is this, is that we're all just a little tired. And some of us are more than a little tired. We're, we're tired. We feel overwhelmed. We feel overworked. We, we just feel anxious about every little thing. And I don't know if that's you, but, but I feel like, you know, at home we feel that way, at work we feel that way, just out in the world we feel that way. Those emotions are, are very true, and, and that is what we feel about this moment. But the truth is this, is that God wants to offer us more than what we're experiencing now. He wants to offer us more of life than what we have today. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So I'm really excited about this. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Um, I feel like a good place to start is chapter 1, verse 1. So we'll look at that. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Now we find a, a maybe not so familiar name here, Theophilus, right? So where does, where does this come from? Who is Theophilus? Who is this I uh, that we find here in, um, in Acts? Well, if you go to the Gospel of Luke, at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 3, we find this name again. 
uh, we find this name uh, Theophilus. And this I that we find is actually Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke was, was not one of the disciples. He was a Gentile. Uh, he was a Greek. He was a doctor. Uh, but he was also a very close companion of, of Paul. And so Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus uh, to explain everything about Jesus to him. He wanted to to show all that Jesus had done. But now in the book of Acts, this is kind of a sequel uh, to Luke. He wants to show all that the Holy Spirit had done uh, to empower Jesus. But now how that same Holy Spirit empowers the early church, the followers of Jesus. And what we find in the first 11 verses of, of chapter 1 in Acts is, is that after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he, he, you know, after the power of God broke the chains of sin and death and raised Jesus from the dead, that he appears 10 different times, at least 10 different times that we have from Scripture over the next 40 days to his apostles and followers. And, and there's even one instance Paul tells us in... Um, First Corinthians, that he appeared to over 500 people at one time. So there is no, you know, wondering, did Jesus raise from the dead? I mean, people saw Jesus, the bodily resurrected Jesus, alive and well after he had died. And so one day, Jesus, while eating with his disciples, he says this. Look at Acts 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's with that that Jesus is then ascended. He's taken up into heaven before their very eyes. Now, it's easy to read Scripture. This is why we want to slow down through Scripture, through our reading plan. But it's easy to to just read it and and move on with the story, right? But I think that we need to pause and and think about this for a second. Uh, The apostles, the followers of Jesus, they, they were real people like you and I. And so if you think about all that they had walked through with Jesus over the last three years, the ups and the downs, seeing him, listening to his teaching, listening, watching him do great and wonderful and powerful miracles. Uh, But yet, even though he had told them over and over and over again that he was going to be crucified and then on the third day rise again, like, they still didn't get it. I mean, Scripture tells us that even after he had died, they, they scattered, they were fearful, they were worried, they didn't know what to do. They wondered, had these promises that, that Jesus had made, actually, were they going to come true? Now, think that that sounds a lot like us, right? I think sometimes we hear the promises and we hear what, what we've been told of these things that are going to happen, and yet we, we wonder, right? There's still that part of us that goes, well, maybe, maybe it's not quite true. Is, is this Holy Spirit? I imagine that they're in this place now. Jesus ascended. Is, is this Holy Spirit really going to come? Is this comforter really going to be here? 
I think that it's easy for us to get caught up in the moment, right? To, to, to wonder, God, you know, I'm not even sure that you're working anymore. What are you up to? I mean, if you think about the disciples, you know, one moment they're walking with Jesus down the country road and, and they're hearing him teach and, and, and do miracles. And then the next moment he's being crucified. And then the next moment, you know, he appears and he eats with them and how awesome that is. And then the next moment he's being taken up into heaven. I mean, you talk about a roller coaster. I mean, that's a roller coaster in just a couple of days. Up and down and up again and down again. It's an emotional whiplash, but look at what they do. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Don't miss it. What they do is what Jesus had told them to do. They gather together, they meet together, and they're constantly united in prayer. What do they do? They pray and they wait. They pray and they wait. When we are overwhelmed, when we're not sure what's going to happen next, what God calls us to do, and we can follow the example of the early church here, is to pray and to wait. To pray and to wait. When we're overwhelmed, lean into God in prayer and then wait for him to act. And that's exactly what the disciples do. That's exactly what the early church do. They, they, they wait and they pray. And that's what happens is that God's Holy Spirit comes upon them. Look at this in Acts chapter 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. Think about the word filled. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that you just pour a little bit out, right? And, and it's only that full. No, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, God's presence and power within them, within us. Do you remember Jesus' words back in Acts 1-8? What did he say? He said, but you will receive power, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This word power comes from the Greek word dynamis, dynamis. Does that word sound familiar? Kind of sounds like dynamite, right? That's where we get the word dynamite from. And here's the thing. Think about the energy that comes from dynamite. That's the kind of power that comes to us by way of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So what good is this power? What, what good is it? What should we do with it? Well, this is the power that's going to help the early church be witnesses for, to Jerusalem first, the place where they were at, to then Judea. This is kind of the surrounding countryside outside of, of um, Jerusalem. Then they're going to go to Samaria. 
And if, I don't know if you know much about uh, the history of Samaria, but, but these are kind of the hated half-Jews in a way, according to, to a real Jew. Um, you know, these were the, the, the foreigners in a way to them. They were, they were not uh, people that you would associate with. And then they're going to take the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, all the way to the ends of the earth. And as we walk through Acts, it's going to be exciting to see at how the Holy Spirit does that, how the Holy Spirit empowers them and how they go, they respond to what God has done in their life so that others may experience it as well. But for now, what kind of power does this wind and fire bring uh, to those who are in Acts right now? Well, the significance is that this is the day of Pentecost. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard of Pentecost before, I'm sure, But little did you know that there was actually a Jewish day of Pentecost before there was ever a Christian uh, day of Pentecost. And so uh, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. Passover being the day when, uh, you know, they celebrated their deliverance from Egypt uh, and slavery and oppression there. And God brought them out by his miraculous hand. But 50 days after that is when you, they celebrated Pentecost, which was the giving of God's law to the people. So the Moses and the Israelites are at the Mount, uh, are at Mount Sinai uh, while they're on their journey uh, through the wilderness. And it is, that is where God hands Moses the stone tablets, the law, this new covenant, this way of having a relationship with God more than anything, not just a list of rules to follow, but how you were to have a relationship with God. It was what created that. But here's the thing, just one problem. I don't know if you're like me, but as a human, I tend to sin a little bit here and there. Um, okay, maybe it's a little more than just here and there. Um, but, but, but there's this, this problem, is that as good as, as these laws are, I, I, I have trouble keeping them. See, my, my heart loves to wander from the God that I, I sometimes say I love. Um, the problem, though, isn't behavior modification, but, but it's this heart that I have. It doesn't love, it doesn't want to follow the life that God wants for me. And the story of the Israelites is one where, where they're corrected by God and, and, and they're given a second chance. And what do they do? They may follow for a little bit and then they fall right back into to this life of sin. They need something that, that they can't get themselves. So, something's got to give. And here's the thing is God had a plan. Praise the Lord. God had a plan, and he knew that, and he had a plan in his Holy Spirit. And he says this, this new way of living by the Holy Spirit is prophesied in Jeremiah 31. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the old one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. 
This is the life that God wants for all of his people. It's not that his, his law and the life that he wants is written externally, but he's going to take and he's going to place it deep within us. What was external now becomes internal for us. What God had written on stone tablets now by the power of the Holy Spirit becomes internal, written on our hearts so that we can know the Lord. We can know him already because of his Holy Spirit. And we can live the life that he designed us to live and know him and be in a relationship with him. Carmen Imes writes this in the book, Bearing God's Name, writes about this promise saying, God was not changing the law. He was changing the mode of delivery. With this promise written in Jeremiah, God enables the law to be internalized. The laws were good laws. They are, yes. They just didn't have the power to transform hearts. The new covenant promised something more permanent and transformative. And friends, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that does that. That's the power that's made available to us today. That God can take these cold and stony hearts and make them flesh again. That he will etch his law, his life on our hearts that gives us freedom from sin. That we may live a life for him. Friends, I don't know if you've experienced that yet, but that takes some dynamite power. That's what God offers us through his spirit. So we have a choice to make. Do we lean in? Do we, do we leverage the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives or not? Are we, we going to lean into that or not? And, and I think that you can just imagine what could happen in and through us if we did. So take the disciples, for instance. They, they could have chosen to live their lives just as they were. They'd experienced all this wonderful stuff with Jesus and, and, and walked with him and how awesome that was. And they could have chosen at that moment to, to never leverage the power of the Holy Spirit. But instead, they lean into the Holy Spirit. They recognize this mission, this power that, that they've been given is greater than anything that they could do on their own. That, that there's only so much that they could give, and yet it's going to be God in and through them that does the work. They're filled with boldness. As we begin, as you continue working through chapter 2, they're filled with boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to, to any Jew who would listen who's gathered there in Jerusalem. They were able to speak the truth and grace of Jesus in such a way that it impacted about 3,000 people came to saving faith in Jesus that day. You talk about some power and boldness, Right? The same disciples who were cowering away just days before are now speaking truth and grace and power and boldness because of the Holy Spirit in them and through them. And what we're going to see throughout the book of Acts is that, that the Holy Spirit brings power of life change and power of boldness. And so why would we not want that? Why, why would we not want that? Some of us, I think, have, have leveraged the power of the Spirit. We're, we're, we're living that life, and, and what a glorious life it is. We're keeping in step with the Spirit and, and, and being on a journey with Him greater than anything this world has to offer. And then I think there are some of us who we once had the Spirit, we once 
tasted and seen, and it was great, and it was wonderful. But we've let that fire kind of die. We, we've lost the wonder of, of this life in the Spirit and what God has to bring through it. It kind of feels like if it was a fire at one time, it's more like kind of embers that are kind of just barely uh, going, right? And I think that some of us have never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. We've never seen that life. And we're not even sure what we're missing out on yet. But whether it's, it's a time to have the Spirit come and rekindle that flame, or it's maybe time to let God light you ablaze for the very first time, God freely offers his gift of the Spirit to each and every single one of us. So how do we get this? No matter where we're at, what, what are we to do? Well, Peter's very clear, and he says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So there are two things we must do. First one is this. Peter says you're to turn from your old ways, your, your old life, your life of sin. That's what repentance is. It's turning. It's making that 180. It all begins with that single act of repenting. And, and for some of us, that's something that needs to happen for the very first time today. That we need to turn from our old way of life, our life of sin, and turn to Jesus Christ. But for some other of us, it, this is a daily turning that we have to do. Recognizing that we are prone to sin. We are prone to wander. We do love our sin more than Jesus most of the time. And we have to repent. We have to turn back to God. Second thing that Peter says is be baptized. If you've not making that step of faith yet, we would love to walk you through that conversation. We would love to, to help you experience that life that comes from baptism, from making that public profession of your faith. So if you're ready to make that step, we would love for you to reach out to us and let us know. So repent, be baptized, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's offering his spirit of, of grace and truth and mercy to all even, even those who are far away. He's offering his spirit to all who would come because he passionately loves us and he pursues us to have a relationship with him. And not just with us, but also with the world. So maybe you're, you're here today. Maybe you're listening on, online and you're just tired. You're overwhelmed. You're you're, you're not sure where to even go from here. Uh, you know, life sometimes has a way of really beating us down and then never relenting. <laughs> it just keeps building and keeps building and keeps building on us. And, and we're just not sure what to do. Well, whether that's true of you or not, I want to give you five ways that we can lean into the Holy Spirit of God, into his, his presence and power. And these are five things that I think that we can do today, right now. So the first one is this, is surrender. Surrender. To experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to surrender our gifts, our talents, our abilities to God. I mean, last time I checked, I was human. 
And so I've got some, some limitations here. I can't, I can't do it all. Now, what we've seen throughout the book of Acts so already is that the early followers do just that. They surrender themselves to God's Holy Spirit. They knew if they were going to do what Jesus had asked them to do, that what he had tasked them to do, then they needed a power greater than themselves. They couldn't do it in their own strength. And the life that God is offering us it doesn't come from us holding on even tighter. That's often what we do. That's our response is, oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it for myself. But no, it comes from a posture of opening our fists and allowing God to have every part of us, surrendering ourselves to Jesus. It, it, what God asks is that we surrender our wills and our wants to God's plan. Because here's the thing. The story that God wants to write in your life and through your life is greater than any story that you could write on your own. It's greater than anything that we could even come up with. You know how, what's the phrase, you know, you can't make this up? That's, that's the kind of life that God wants through us. So we have to surrender. Second one is this, space. We have to create space in our lives for the Holy Spirit to work. Jesus had tremendous demands upon him, all right? But yet, what did he do? He would withdraw and he would go to a deserted place and, and he would spend time with his, his father. He created space to be uh, present and available in the moment. And just like surrender, how can we ever be available to, to the power of the Holy Spirit if our calendars are full? If we have no space for him to actually be able to work in our lives. You know, I think that we love the idea of God working in our lives, but yet we don't have any space for him to work in our lives. And so what I encourage you to do is go home this week, look at your schedule, make an inventory, make an inventory of your kids' schedule. Where, where is there space? Is there any margin? Where are your priorities right now? That's a hard thing to do, but, but it's going to expose that sometimes we don't have a lot of space. This is, uh, these are all things that I struggle with, by the way. That's why I'm preaching them. I'm hoping it's kinda coming in here. But, but where is the space that I have to let the Holy Spirit work in my life? We've got to be better at clearing our schedules. We've got to be better at having margin for the Spirit to work. All right, so surrender, space. Third way to lean into the Spirit is through silence, stillness, and solitude. Kind of goes with creating space in our life, but some of us are so busy. Some of us have lives that are so filled with noise that, that we can't ever hear the voice of God. We don't give him a chance to speak to us. You know, there's this practice of, of Jesus rhythms. I've, I've heard it said that way. I really like that, but it's really just the practice of spiritual disciplines. Um, but Jesus rhythms that help us connect with God and realize our dependence upon him. Uh, the practice of stillness, uh, silence, stillness, and solitude, these are all grounded in the practice of being before doing. Being before doing. Jesus practiced this. As I said just a second ago, Jesus would go out. He would go to a deserted place. He would go by himself, and he would just be, be with God. He would let the Holy Spirit minister to him that then he would go and do what God had called him to do. We've got to create that kind of, these kind of disciplines for us that we can be in touch 
with the Holy Spirit, that we can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're not sure where to start, what the key here is intentionality. And this is what I'm learning more than anything. Intentionality. You've got, you've got to be like brutally intentional here. Maybe this means that you get into the carpool line a little bit early and you don't sit there on your phone the whole time. Maybe this means that as you're on your commute to work, either to or from, you just keep the radio off and you spend that time with the Lord. Maybe it means you don't turn on the TV first thing in the morning and have it go in the whole time while you're getting ready. Maybe it means you grab your cup of coffee and you spend, you spend time with the Lord. There are lots of different ways, but where you got to do is you got to start and you have to be intentional. We have to slow down and we have to listen to the voice of God. All right, so our fourth thing here, fourth way to lean in to the Spirit is through our serving. Serve. Here's the truth. God has gifted each of you uniquely, each and every single one of us uniquely, and, and has given us a purpose by his Holy Spirit. So let's not be selfish. Let's not keep those gifts for ourselves and our own purposes. Because here's the thing. God is wanting to move in our world, and he wants to do it in and through us, which is, frankly, kind of crazy and, and awesome that he does so. And I feel this more and more in the moment of history that we're, that we're in. So let's join him in his work. Let's identify, like, what are the things that we can do in our Jerusalem? And then what are those things that we can do in our Judea, our Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth? How does God want to move? Like Jesus, we're to have life, live life on move in the Spirit. So where is it that God is calling you to be part of his mission? What conversation is it that he's calling you to have? What what calls is it that he's calling you to, to take underhand? Whatever it is, if you're not sure, we would love to help you work through that in a conversation. That's, we love having conversations like that. And so if you're just stuck, if you're not sure, reach out to us. We want to have a conversation about that. But here's the thing is that God has a place uniquely gifted. You are uniquely gifted for some place and part in this kingdom in this world. And so we'd love to help you be a part of that. All right, so our fifth thing, I promise I'm going to wrap up soon, is serenity. This is not so much a way that we lean into the Spirit as much as it's a byproduct of leaning into the Spirit. See, peace, I don't know if you've been outside lately, but peace is so evasive in our world. But peace, true peace, comes from God our Father. And, and honestly, it is more times than not a peace that has no place and understanding. Like, God is that gracious and that good. Serenity is this feeling of peace that only God can give through the Spirit, that, that despite whatever ups and downs that we have in life, no matter what we experience, no matter what news we get personally or what news we read or hear about on, on the television, there's peace there because here's the thing. God's peace helps us to understand that we don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes I wish that I did have all the answers. You just be like, yes, this is why. But God's peace, God's serenity that he gives us through his spirit means that I, I can be okay with not having all the answers and resting that my God, your God, that he gets the final word. He gets the final word every single time. And that brings peace to me. He's at work redeeming and he gets the final say. So there's this show, it's a kid's show, 
that I sometimes watch, and Henry, my son, kind of watches too, um, but it's, it's on one of the streaming services, and it has a catchy little theme song uh, that really gets stuck in, in your head, but it ends with this phrase, you never know what will happen next. I'm not going to sing it because I'll start singing it the rest of the morning. But the, the whole show, the whole premise of the show is based on kind of if-then scenarios. So if this happens, then uh, this will happen. And, and I think that that's so true of our life with God's Spirit. I, I just think that's true, that, that if we would lean into Him, then you never know what will happen next. You never know where he's going to take you. You never know what kind of life that's going to bring you. You never know what that's going to do to somebody else. That's the life that God wants. And I just think that, that if we would lean into him, if we would lean into God's Holy Spirit, then we'd experience something more than anything of what we're living today. Friends, uh, this past year has been difficult, Right? Uh, and, and the days don't look too much brighter ahead. <laughs> but the more and more that, that I, I, I live this life, I, I just, you know, I want a little more brevity uh, from the weight that, that, that we feel uh, as, as people. But here's the thing. I, I truly believe that God's spirit is on the move. I explained it this way the other day. I feel like it's, it's kind of like whenever you take a, a rubber band and you start getting ready to shoot it, right? I feel like that's the kind of momentum that's building within our church and within our community. But here's the thing. I'm going to try not to, because I, I was really feeling this this morning. <clears throat> I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss it. And, and it's not so much that I, like, I don't want us to miss it as get well church, but I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it. God is at work. God is doing something great. Are we going to lean into him? Are we just going to let the, the rubber band, the momentum just kind of die? We're just going to settle for the life as we had it, life as it is, with no hope of a future and no, no, never knowing what God could have done in and through us through his spirit. And so, friends, I, I don't know. I want that for me. I want that for you. Just, just pick one. And just lean into his spirit and let's see what he's going to do because you never know what will happen next. Let's pray. Father, we don't want to miss your spirit. We don't want to not be in step with you. God, we know that you are a way maker Lord, that whatever chains are, are holding us down right now, Lord, that you can break them through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you help us to hear? Would you help us to know? Would you help that distance between our head and our heart be connected, Lord, that your truth would sink deep down inside of us, Lord, that we would be transformed. And Lord, that others may know that same transforming power that you can offer. God, you're on the move. Help us to have eyes that see you at work. And Lord, help us to have hearts and have hands and feet that join in the work that you have going on. Lord, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to settle for life second best than what you really truly offer us in your son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so, God, I pray this morning that that we would respond appropriately to what you're calling each and every single one of us to, whether that's life in you for the first time or it's a renewal and a remembering of our own baptism and what the life that you've called us and given us, Lord. Lord, wherever we are, we pray that you would stir by the power of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, in this room, in, in rooms across DeSoto County and across the world. Lord, that we would be reminded and that we would be empowered by the dynamite power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, would you do what you're famous for? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.